morning, guys. I, I feel very overwhelmed by God and his love this morning. And so I'm just going to obviously be overwhelmed in front of you. <laughs> but I feel like what the Lord is showing me when we were worshiping was like this picture of God, our father. And he was preparing this banqueting table. And he was like making sure that every single person in this room they can hear the sound of my voice every child in this room or in this building like Tyler prayed had like their own plate and their own name plate on their spot and I felt like he was saying like come and sup with me like come and dine with me sit with me because there's things that I want to tell you there's things that you need to hear from your father and I saw you coming, and as you came into the room, he, like those that were willing to come, he like, there were these badges on your face or your body that was like shame, liar, murderer, thief, like um, all these labels that the world or God or, or yourself or others had put on you, not God. And he was just like really gently taking them off when you came in to sit down with him. And he was just like, you, the only label you need is son, daughter. That's it. Like, he, I am your father. And I think that today he is really wanting to restore to us the, the joy of our salvation and of being his sons and daughters and all that comes with that. And so... That is what I'm hoping he's going to do in our hearts today. And I'm, I'm going to be talking on Galatians, um, the end of chapter 3 and verse 4, because we're going through the book of Galatians right now in this sermon series. But I felt like there was this short little word that he had for me to share at the beginning, and it's out of Ecclesiastes 3. And so Ecclesiastes 3, we don't have this on the passage or on the video, but I'm just going to read it to you. It says... For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what has plant, what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow things, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for a war and a time for peace. And then it goes on, it says, what gain has the worker from his toil. I have seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. And I think we have this here at verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Okay, it keeps going. I'll read it from here because I'm not sure if it's... Does, do you have more? I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and do good while they live. That each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is a gift of God. 
I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. And I feel like this passage feels important right now in this season because there are so many things that are happening that we're like, I feel like we all look at each other and we're like, why, why is this happening? Like that question of why, why now? Why again? You know, like, and, and just with, with COVID or the, just the terrible things that are happening in our nation and around the world, I feel like it's very common for us to look at each other and be able to ask that question, like, why is it so hard? And I feel like there's this hope that there is a time and a season for everything under the sun and that he has put eternity in our hearts. And so this question I keep asking the Lord is, what is it, I've shared this before, so if you've heard it, you know, just maybe think about it in a new way, but I keep asking the Lord, what does eternity look like in our hearts? What does it look like to have eternity bound up inside? And I think that it's so many things. I think that it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit bursting forth. I think that it is just love in our hearts. I think that we can see eternity bound up in our hearts through the word of God, that Jesus was the word who became flesh and the spirit of Jesus is within us and so, the word of God is eternity within our hearts. You know, there's lots of different ways to think about it, but one way that I've actually really been enjoying is probably like my Enneagram 7, wanting life to like feel good all the time. And so, you know, the, the, the Hallmark commercial that makes you cry or like that feeling of like, Christmas morning and everything being like really magical and sweet and perfect if it is, you know, and like it, it's like there's always like a little bit of like pain or like a twinge, that like sadness that is like combined with the beautiful moment, you know? And, and a, like another word for that feeling could be like nostalgia, you know? Like you look in an old picture or you hold something or you go back to a place that you had gone once before and had a sweet memory and there's like this feeling that you have. And I feel like the Lord's been reminding me of that when I think about eternity because, and it's, and, it's like these feelings that we long for and it always feels like it, we're almost there, but not quite. Like, and that's why it's sad and hard, you know? And I think that in this season of things around us feeling like they're shaking, that the Lord is like asking us to simply look at the, like the golden moments or the sweet moments or the little moments in life that bring us joy and find eternity in those, you know? So if it's just like swirling around your cup of coffee and being like, I love this coffee, you know? Or like the feelings that you have whenever you're going about your daily life, I feel like the Lord is like asking us to look at those and being like, it's good for a man to enjoy that. It's good. And that there's, a, there's like almost like a secret in overcoming for us in the middle of everything being hard to just simply enjoy the little moments in our life. And so that's just a word that I feel like the Lord wanted to encourage us with today. And it, it makes me think about in, we've been doing family read aloud uh, with the Little House on the Prairie series, and we've been doing it for a while. If you've never read the Little House on the Prairie in your adult life, I highly recommend it. You should, it's so good. And so in one of the books, they, they are finally on their feet as a family. They've got this good crop coming in and Pa is gonna be able to like buy himself some new boots, okay? Which is a big deal because he needs them and like the, the amount of money that needs to be, you, you need to have to buy good boots is just not something that they come by very easily, this family. And so 
they, the crop is going good. They're dreaming about all the things they're going to get to eat and do when this crop comes in. And then one day they see this like haze come like in the sky and, and like they're like, is that a storm? Like, what is it? And does anybody know what this big haze is? Grasshoppers, locusts, yeah, grasshoppers. It's like this swarm of like hundreds, legions of grasshoppers that come and land right on their properties. And they eat all the green, all the crops, like all of it. They'd worked so hard and in like hours, everything was eaten and gone. And like when we read this, this chapter of the story, our whole family was like, no, no, they can't, you know? It's just they can't eat the crop. Like they were finally there, you know? And... It was just gone. They said that everything was so lush and green and beautiful. And then they walked out and everything was just gray and dark and like dusty. And there was grasshoppers everywhere. They were crawling in the girls' dresses and they were in the house and in their beds. And there was just thousands of them everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And so you think it couldn't be worse. And then one day, right after Paul was out kind of inspecting the land and he looks down and in, in, the, in the crops, like it's probably a few weeks later, I can't remember exactly. And there were little pods of eggs that the grasshoppers had laid. Thousands of eggs from the legion of grasshoppers that ate everything that were gonna grow. And then you're like, no, I mean, like the devastation is just like, it's not just that moment, but it's just gonna keep going, you know? And I can't help but think about this season that we're in when I read that and I think about that story because it's like, yes, this was a swarm, this season we were just in that feels crazy, but then now there's like eggs from the swarm. And we're like, when are they gonna be born? And what are they gonna look like? And how are they gonna affect us, you know? And they lived through it, you guys, and they were okay. And then you know what happened? One day, after they, you know, he had to go find work elsewhere, didn't have his new boots, there's holes in his boots, and things were hard, hard, but they lived through it and they made through it. And then one day they walked outside, and just as quickly as all the grasshoppers came, they flew away and they were gone. And so I don't know when or what or how the thick fly, I'm not like, it just is a great story. And I feel like that, that passage of Ecclesiastes where there is a season under the sun for everything is something we can just take heart in and know that even when there is a season of weeping or a, a harder season that we're in, that we can still like enjoy the little things right. that happen in our life. And so I just wanted to share that. It really has encouraged my heart. And here we go into Galatians. Okay. And so with Galatians, I, I feel like in the end of, of chapter 3 and verse 4, which is kind of where we're going to focus today, that it really is this classic fairy tale. It's like Paul, Paul telling us this story that we hear in Rapunzel, that we hear in Sleeping Beauty, where there is like a princess that's born, and they're royal, like a royal princess or prince that is born by a king and queen, they can't not be royal. Like no matter what they do with their life, like that blood is in their veins, you know? And so, but then you have Rapunzel and she gets like locked in a tower. And does that change the fact that she's a princess? No, but it like massively affects her ability to help rule the kingdom or enjoy her life or anything because she's like locked in a dungeon with an evil lady. Or like same with, with Sleeping Beauty, we won't get all into it, but it's like similar. And that's why we're so compelled with these stories because it really is like this archetype of our life and God. It's just this picture of what happens in anybody's life in the Lord. Or like if anybody's a Lord of the Rings fan, you know, Strider, who is actually Aragorn, who's like, you know, the king of Gondor, he like spends, spends this time being a ranger out on the 
on the, the I don't know, the north, Rage of the North, he's like not, he's not utilizing his birthright at all. He isn't going by his right name. He isn't ruling the way he was called to. He's like running from his identity. And then there's this scene where he finally is in the tent, you know, and he like pulls out the sword. And he's like, I am Aragorn, you know, King of Gondor or whatever. And everybody's like, yes, like that's what I wanted. This. And so there's this thing that rises up in our hearts or when the princess has been restored to her parents, you know, it's like, that is right. It is right that people are in the place that God has put them, walking in the fullness of that. And any parent wants that for their kids. And I feel like that's that picture of what the Lord was showing me this morning of him like putting a banqueting table before you and saying, you are meant to dine with me. You're meant to be together with me as your father. And today he's wanting to take off the things that we have put on ourselves or that the world and pain and hardship has put on us so that we're free to walk in with him and brandish our sword or leave the tower or whatever we need to do to be able to rightly walk as we were created to walk. And so in Galatians, we're going to look here at uh, 3 verse 10, and there's a lot of talk about the law and what happens with the law. And this was really, really important for the Galatians because the law was what the Israelite people had lived by for so long. And they, and they were being tempted to believe that they had to fulfill all these requirements of the law in order to be holy or to be saved. And Paul is really trying to communicate clearly over and over again that Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. And so the law, and he, so he does a lot of explaining about the law. And so in 3 verse 10, he says, For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. So basically, you can stop right there for a second. Anybody that is bound to the book of the law is automatically cursed because the Bible says that not one of us is holy not one. And so with, with Mount Sinai, you know, when Moses got the great, the, the Ten Commandments, it was like there's this lightning and thunder and, and trembling and fear. And it said even if an animal touched the mountain, that it would be, it would die because, I mean, God was just so holy and he was so fearful. And, and the, there was this law that said, you have to obey these things. And if you don't, then a sacrifice must be made for your sin. And that sacrifice had to be a blood sacrifice. Someone had to die for the sin that separated from God. And so that cycle happened over and over and over again for the Israelite people where they had this impossible law that no man could ever achieve. A blood sacrifice had to be made, so they sacrificed goats and lambs and things, and and then they would start over again. And Jesus came, and it says in that same, in that, in 3 verse 13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Not just to the Hebrew people, not just to the sons of Abraham, but to the Gentiles, to all people. Through faith, we are 
inheritance, we have the inheritance, we are heirs to this promise. And it isn't because we are able to check off all the, the right actions or do the right things or, or, or obey the law. It's because Jesus came and he fulfilled the law and he became our curse. So like the curse that was on us for our unholiness and our sin, Jesus came and stepped in and he said, instead of them, me, I will die for them so that they can know God. And that is the gospel. And in that we are free and that there's no good work that could ever get us there. But it doesn't mean that we don't walk in righteousness, that what it means then is that Jesus is our righteousness and he gives us the spirit. So then because we have the spirit of God within us, we crave holiness. We long to do the things that are like him, that smell like him, look like him, taste like him. And you're able to recognize when it doesn't. And you're like, I don't want that. That doesn't lead to life. There's a hunger for the things of holiness when you have the Holy Spirit within you. And it is impossible for us to do it without him. I mean, he is who saves us. And so this promise that we keep talking about with, with Abraham is, you know, there, there are several different times it talks about it in Genesis, but he just said, your descendants will be like the dust, or the dust of the earth. You can't even try to collect the dust or count it. And it's a covenant with God that your people will be my people. What is mine is yours. This covenant, like, that is... All that God has and who he is in his kingdom belongs to his heirs. And that promise was given to Abraham and then fulfilled by Jesus to be given to all people that trust in Jesus and receive his love. Okay? And so then in Galatians 3, 21 through 29, it talks about it a little bit more, so we're just going to keep tracking through. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God. So then it's like, we're talking about how Jesus fulfilled the law. So then is it contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Christ Jesus might be given to those who believe. And so this is just saying exactly what I just said in a different way. And if you skip to verse 27, it says, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So that's basically exactly what I just said. It's just I'm reading the actual Bible where it's saying it to you. So that Jesus, in Jesus Christ, there isn't just one select group of people that get to be included in his inheritance because of how they were born, like Aragorn or whatever. It's like because of Jesus, he set everyone free in him, but he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus. But relationship with Jesus, eternity with God forever doesn't belong to just the Jews, just the Greeks, just 
the males, just the females, just the blacks, just the whites. It belongs to everyone in Jesus Christ. Okay, such great news and so helpful to have clearly laid out right there um, by Paul for the Galatians and helpful for us today. And so... um, yeah, and I, and I feel like in this too, that what we, I just said it before, but that good works don't equal our promise. The good works don't equal our inheritance. And we don't have a set of laws like that we are trying to adhere to, like the Galatians were trying to go back to, like observing these certain Sabbaths. They're not walking this far or doing these like actual literal laws. But for us, you know, the... I think what it is that the Lord is trying to break us free from is this like measuring stick of sin where it's like we have like, okay, sin. And then we have like, you know, really bad ones that everyone would agree like, oh, that's bad, you know? And, or like the the difference between our sinful actions or our sinful thoughts, you know, or um, the, the, the measuring stick, whatever grid you have from upbringing, church, culture, whatever. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to come and say, like, you are all guilty without Jesus. Like, there isn't, like, good enough, you know? And I, Billy said it so well in one of his sermons. I, it stuck with me, and I remember it, and I remember it. You don't, like, you can't, like, measure how dead someone is. They're not like, they're just dead, you know? And without Christ, we're just dead and need to be born again into him, you know? And I just think that that's just what he's wanting to, and I think in that, it reminds me of that passage that says, I'm resolved to know nothing except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. I'm resolved to know nothing except for that. And I think when we are resolved in that way, he really does set us free from the spirit of religion and trying to be good enough or act good enough or compare ourselves to one another, whatever. So, okay, and then and then we're moving on Galatians 4. So tracking through here in Galatians, verse No, no, sorry, verse one. I'm gonna just read it out. It says, I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is an owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world, of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Such great news, you guys. And honestly, there's really not a whole lot more to say. It just said it all right there, you know? But again, it's like this whole idea of the little baby prince lying, and you know, and it's like that baby prince is a, you know, an heir to the kingdom, but the heir to the kingdom, you know, doesn't have, like he has guardians and managers and advisors until the date set by his father for him to receive his inheritance, you know? And I think it's likening that to the law for the Israelite people before Jesus came. And then Jesus came and he said, I fulfilled the law. And not only did I fulfill it, I became the curse and took, took your place so you're not cursed, 
but I give you my Holy Spirit. And the Spirit of Jesus within us cries out, Abba, Father. And I think that's still, that's another like where place we can look back to eternity being set in our heart. Like the eternity within us, we are longing for unity with our Father. We're longing for that connection together with Him. We, we are born and made to worship Him. That's what we were made to do. There's something deep inside us that's, longing for our Father. And I want to I want to provide space. I kind of wanted to stop everything right now and just be like, if you know you need healing from your parents and from your upbringing, we're going to stop right now and we're just going to spend the rest of the time receiving the truth from the Holy Spirit and letting fathers and mothers come pray and intercede over you. And I want to give space for that. So just put this little moment in your mind and as a bookmark for in like 15 minutes when we come up here for ministry time and like just be so relentless with your own heart and say, I don't want to sit around with undealt with pain. Like if there were little things, massive things in your upbringing and in your life that caused pain, they will shade and change the way you see God the Father. And he wants to come and just introduce himself to you over and over and over again and show you new facets of who he is like a diamond, like you can never see it all. Like it's just brilliant. And he wants to show you himself in that way over and over for the rest of your life. But the beautiful exchange with him is when you go, you know, you're, you're at the beach with your family and someone says something that triggers a feeling inside and you're able to go, I think that that's because of this pain. Lord, will you take this pain from me? Write it out. I don't want this in my heart. What lie am I believing because of this pain? And even recently with one of our kids, we were just, every time we turned around, this one particular kid was like arguing with all of the other ones that are with us and just seemed to have a hard time. And I was like, yes, two days ago, I was like, what, what is it? You know, and it was just this lie everybody is rude to me. Like everybody doesn't like me, you know? And there was just this confidence in saying it. Like to this child, it felt really true. Everybody doesn't like me. Everyone is rude to me. And so if that child believed that was true, then another child could just be like smiling or laughing and it would feel to the one that's struggling like they're making fun of. You know what I mean? They're making fun of them. And it, it didn't really matter what was going on around him it felt like that was true and everything supported it. Do you know what I'm saying? He could find the truth in his lie by just like normal things that were happening around him. And he needed God and he needed us to come in and like break that lie. No, that is not the truth. Everyone actually around you is loving you and supporting you and you know, but that you're gonna be able to find it if you believe that it's true. And then you'll just get more and more and more ammo for your lie. And then you're gonna build those continual lies that you believe, then they build up a stronghold around you. And then that's where it's hard to break that down, you know? And it is very hard when you grow up or are currently in an environment where it is true. Like actually people really are continually hurtful to you and your life is like there are bad or abusive things that are happening consistently in your life. That is like a very hard thing to overcome. But when you give those places to God, he comes in with his perfect love and he, he really has the power to break the, the pain of that and the strongholds that come 
from that. When it's a lie that's just sown by the enemy and it's not really the truth that you're just believing, or when it's like the reality of your life, in both scenarios, God has the power to set, set us free. And so, and that is within us, he cries out, Abba, Father. And so that leads right into the last part of this chapter that we're going we're gonna to look at, which is um, verses 8 and 9 of Galatians 4. And it says, formerly, formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to those weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? And so this passage is talking, the, the formally, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God. So I, I think that this is referencing like demonic powers, things from Satan or things in the world that they, you might be enslaved to or the Galatians might be enslaved to. So you can name it as those, those badges that I talked about when I first started our talk this morning of like um, fear, shame, like these, the being labeled by Satan for the negative things that you've done in your life and those becoming your identity instead of your identity being in who, who God says that you are and who God has made you to be. And so you can be fully saved, fully know him and still go back to the slavery of believing the lies of, of these demons in our lives. And I know that firsthand. And I remember walking in college and really starting walking with the Holy Spirit and recognizing the power that we had for holy living with the Holy Spirit because no one had ever really taught me about the Holy Spirit before. And so I knew that he sealed us for the day of salvation, but the empowerment and the equipping and the revelation of the word of God, it says that the Holy Spirit will remind us of things that we need to know about, give us strength to choose life and not death. Like the, the spirit crying out, Abba, Father, that makes us run to our Father and believe the truth, all the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. And I was like tasting that, but there was and there were still times that I would do things and I'm like, oh, I don't know why I'm doing that. Like, I'm still, am I trained to do that? Is it just a habit? Am I a slave? And so one of them was like my, my words. Like I would just be in the middle of a conversation. I remember being in like the Student Life Center at Baylor when I was in college and I just like told an outright lie. But it wasn't even about anything important. Like it was just, I don't even know, like it was maybe about like a movie that I had watched that I didn't watch her, but I was like trying to be cool to the person I was talking to. And I remember walking away and I was like, I can't, my words have to be pure, but I almost, I don't feel like I have any control over my words. I feel like they just come out of me and I don't know how to get them back. And I don't feel like I even really choose them. You know, it was like very little self-control with my words. I'm also like an external processor. That's probably part of it, you know? And so in that, I felt like the Lord invited me into just saying, okay, Ashley, let's work on that place in you. You know, like let's let your words, the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart 
be pleasing to the Lord. And I remember this verse talked about how there was not one word that came out of Jesus' mouth that wasn't inspired by the Father. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what if I never said anything that wasn't inspired by the Father? That's my goal. And I wanna hope I live till like 99 and I get there when I'm like, 99 or something, you know, and so I'm nowhere near there, but every day I'm training myself like, a, like an athlete to let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to him. And so I was like, Lord, how do you want me to exercise this? How do you want me to, to let go of any bondage that I have to habits, generational training, whatever, so that I can like work on this one area of my life. And so I felt like he was like, I want you to invite, I'm inviting you into a little talking fast. And I was like, I'd only ever heard of fasting from food, you know? And so I was like, okay. And so I was there, I think I was like a sophomore or something in college. And I did this talking fast where I was like, not like awkward, like someone would say hi and I'd be like, not say anything, but you know, I, but I like didn't just initiate conversation. I think it was for like three weeks or I don't know, some, a little amount of time where I just felt like he was saying, I want you to practice being quiet and see what I say, see what I do and learn like how much you really talk and just more about myself. And it was just a small little exercise, but it really did help strengthen me in the Lord and help me begin to learn how to choose my words and uh, make sure that they were pleasing to the Lord. And I did a ton of repenting. I feel like that my, all my journals, I go back and read through that. I was just like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. And so then another was insecurity with my body in comparison with other women or just comparison with anything like, I don't know what, like their body or their uh, smartness or their family or whatever, their car. Like I was just insecure and in comparing myself to anything that moved. And I was like, I don't know how to get over this. Like, I just, I want to be happy about me. Just, there's, here I am. And, but I was like enslaved to it. I couldn't, the idea of being free and content felt impossible to me. And so then again, I was like, Holy Spirit, help me. How can I grow in this? How can I become like you? And, and know that, like, cause it was like, literally like I was like Rapunzel in the dungeon of comparison and insecurity. And I'm like, I'm not able to rule and reign with the Lord. I'm stuck in this dungeon with the evil lady. I mean, I, and I, I need out, but I don't know how to get out. And so I felt like the Lord was just like, start by repenting, you know? So I would just do a ton of forgiving, repenting, and then did little practical things. You might've heard me share this before, but I remember at one point the Lord was like, if anybody compliments you on anything, give it to him. And it was like exposing this like, like kind of weird um, attachment that I had to like possessions or things or material things. And I, but there, there was like certain things that were off limits, like my car or something, you know? Um, but like, so I remember one time I was greeting at church and somebody was like, I really like that scarf. And the Lord was like, remember what you, did, you committed to? And I was like, I really like this scarf. Here, you can have it, you know? And, but it was like tearing something out of my heart that wasn't holy and good, you know? So I was practicing doing these things to help me become more like the Lord. Um, and then last part of the story is I remember in that, um, this is like from, you know, we're talking here about Galatians about like, why are you turning back to those things? You've been set free. So these are just practical examples of my life where I learned how to not turn back to those gods, but to turn to the Lord and let him be the author and perfecter of my faith. And so I remember that whole body image journey. There was like fasting involved in that. And I remember fast forward, Tyler, I met him and he's like so handsome and sweet. And I like loved him. And then he asked me to marry him. I was like, oh my gosh. And so I remember 
spending time with the Lord after he asked me to marry him. And I'm like, I do not want to take all of this insecurity and comparison and like, like not like self-hatred or self-idolatry or whatever it is into my marriage because then I'm gonna give it to my kids and I don't want them to have it. And so I like, was like, Lord, you have to get it all out of me by February, February 4th, 2006. You know, I need it out by the time I walked down the aisle. It was like a tongue on it now. And so I remember just journaling, journaling, Lord, like search me, test me, see if there's any unclean way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. I was just praying those prayers. And I remember the Lord really did like bring a ton of freedom, set me free. So I remember being pregnant with Ethan. And if you ever struggled with your body image and then you got pregnant, you realized it's a hard thing to like grow like that, you know? And I remember I was like so happy the whole time. And like, and, and then I, you know, had him, got, up, got up through it or whatever. And then I'm pregnant with Graham. And I remember after Graham was born, I was sitting at Sawgrass Takeoff with Tyler. And you know, after your baby's born, if you've ever seen a like recently postpartum woman, it's like, all like just your belly's just all like flubbery, you know? And I was like sitting there, eating my belly was like so filled with steak and potatoes and those really good rolls, and I was like all flubbery, you know, and we were on this date, and I was like, I am so happy right now. Like, I am so happy, and it is a miracle that I am happy right now. Because like old Ashley would be terrified if you ever told me I was in this environment, you know, but I feel so happy and God has set me free you know? And I was just like celebrating with Tyler. And then I remember thinking in that same moment, telling him, I was like, to be free from anxiety and fear feels as impossible, like right now, as that journey felt then. To be free from that whole body image insecurity comparison stuff, like the Lord did set me free. But in that moment where I felt so free, I felt like the Lord was like, you ready for the next hill? Because it's anxiety and fear. And that's even harder, you know? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. It feels impossible. Like, I felt so familiar with anxiety, so familiar with fear. To be free from them felt impossible, you know? And so that was 2011. And I really, I mean, I feel like I don't want to stand up here and do, I'm free from anxiety and fear, because I don't know. I feel like I'm working on it, you know? But I know that God has, has set so many parts of me free and that there's moments that I would be in, in the, recently that in the past would have brought so much up and he has set me free over and over and over again. He's faithful to do it. And so the point of it is that we never stop going from glory to glory with him. There's never not a new thing that he wants to work on in your life. And so pick one. It just don't even have to, just pick one and go, let's start working on this one today and just work on it with him. And there's always gonna be more that he has to give. Okay. And so we can go ahead and stand and I wanna end with the last of, the last of Galatians that talks about this whole idea of Mount Sinai and um, this place where the law was given. And so just to kind of round out the law and to know that in, in opposition to the law that the Lord gave us Jesus and he came and he fulfilled it and he um, gave us his Holy Spirit that cries out, Abba, Father. And so I want to read to us out of Hebrews 12. Um, and we can, we can go ahead and have the ministry team come on up as I read it. And I just want you to hear the, the difference here um, between the difference between the, the law or fear and then joy in the Holy Spirit because of Jesus. And so <clears throat> Hebrews 12, verse 18, it says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast 
or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. So that's Mount Sinai. But you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. You to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken that has created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So Lord, we ask this morning that you would be a consuming fire for our hearts, that you would invite us again, every heart in this room and that's listening, to to come to the table, to dine with you, to be your sons and daughters sitting at the family table, ready to do the work of the kingdom, not trapped um, in a dungeon or a tower, not hiding as a as a ranger, with but but willing to hold the sword, willing to be who you've called us to be, who you so clearly made us through Jesus Christ. And I ask, Father, for every place of pain from our childhood, every stronghold and addiction, every place that we've gone back to other gods, Lord, that you would convict us, that you would set us free, that you would heal our hearts. And I ask specifically just for those places of pain and wounding from our mothers and fathers in this room, that you would come this morning and bring healing. And so I ask, Lord, that you would prompt and and even prick hearts in this room, that there would be like a fire in their belly if they know they need to be touched by you, they need to talk about things, they need freedom and healing, that there wouldn't be a moment wasted, um, but that they would run to you who is faithful and true. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So come if you need prayer and if you're a parent in this room and you want to pour out, you're welcome to come and and pray, come up here and pray for others as well and just give that blessing as a parent for those who need it. So we invite you to come.